Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Hello, from Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you as we're going to be joined in segment number two by John Jansen. He does tremendous work over at Fox Sports Philadelphia, the Gambler. He also does a podcast of his own that is dedicated all to baseball. It's called Stealing the Bag. You're able to find that wherever your podcast. We're going to get a little bit of a lay of the land in terms of the National League East race as of right now as the Atlanta Braves are right now running away with the division, but the race for number two is right now hot and heavy. We're going to be talking all about that. We're also going to be diving into just the outlook of the Philadelphia Phillies right now, what's been going right, what's been going wrong for them, and we're going to be diving into some of Friday's games. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we do touch them all. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we are for this in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gdn underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters you have. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not get in any Twitter questions today, but that said, we had a great day of baseball on Thursday, and we've got a few games for Wednesday to clean up as well. I have to do this a little bit in advance because of Greg Peterson experience. That's now from midnight to 3 Eastern time, 9 to midnight Pacific, and, well, pretty much we're taking no days off at this point. But that said, let's dive into everything that we've seen over the last, I'm going to call it 24-plus hours in baseball. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap. When I was doing this podcast yesterday, the Yankees were up by kind of 5-1 on the Baltimore Orioles, and then they completely blew it. The Orioles were able to get the job done by kind of 9-6 to six as Nestor Cortez got little blaze in inning number 7 as there was an 8 spot in that 7th inning from the Baltimore Orioles as Adam Frazier was able to go deep for his 6th home run season. Ryan Mountcastle earlier in the game, he was able to supply a home run, but for next year, Cortez he ended the night giving up a pair of home runs, 4 runs a total of course of 6 innings, and then Jimmy Cordero. Four runs surrendered in a third of an inning. There are a pair of errors by Aaron Judge and Harrison Bader that did not help out his cause, but that was relatively brutal for the New York Yankees. 
We did see the Miami Marlins go on the road, and they took down the Colorado Rockies by a count of 10 to 2. You figured that this was going to be the case. Orde Solaire went deep for his 14th home run season. Then you saw Jonathan Davis also get a home run. His first of the season, Sandy Alcantara, one of his better starts of the season, allows two runs in six innings. Coors Field, that's relatively solid. He did give up a home run to Elias Diaz, his fifth home run in the campaign. And then from there, Stephen O'Kirk, Brian Hoying, Tanner Scott, all under scoreless inning. And Carl the K. Kaufman got little blaze. For Colorado, giving up five runs in four and a third innings. Peter Lambert, he gave up five runs in two and two-thirds innings, giving up both of the home runs that the Miami Marlins hit before. You had a squirrel setting out of both right hand and Matt Cazaridi. From there on Thursday, our DK Nation right a pick of the Colorado Rockies money line. It got there, and it was much hairier than needed. 7-6, to six, the Colorado Rockies get the job done. They go into the ninth inning up by four runs, and then Ore Soler... In back-to-back days, it's a home run. It's 15th home run season with two outs in the ninth inning. Garrett Cooper gets a home run. It's fifth of the season as it was not a good day to be Pierce Johnson. He allowed both of those home runs. Two-thirds of an inning gives up four runs. Kyle Freeland didn't necessarily pitch the best, but he was able to wiggle out of some situations. He gave up two runs over the course of five innings from there. Daniel Barr, two scoreless innings. Justin Lawrence, a scoreless inning. And Brent Suter got the final out of that ninth inning. Deserve the win much more than our good friend and Pierce Johnson and the Colorado Rockies. Elias Diaz, home run in back-to-back days for him. His sixth home run season as he goes deep off of Braxton Garrett, who went five innings himself, giving up two runs. So both starters really mirrored themselves. You had Andrew Nardi lend a squirrel ascending out of the bullpen, and then it was just the poo-poo platter of Miami Marlins relievers from there. Brian Oying, Tanner Scott combined for three outside the bullpen scores. JT Chargois gives up one run while getting two outs. Dylan Floro gives up three runs while getting one out. Uskar Brazobin, he gave up three walks and allowed the game-winning run in the ninth inning. So, DK Nation right a pick avoids back-to-back really, really bad beats. You saw the Seattle Mariners on Wednesday take it once again to the Oakland A's by a count of 6-1 as for Austin Pruitt, he was the opener for Ken Waldachuk and... Ken Waldachuk just still not finding it. Austin Brewer lent a scoreless inning. Ken Waldachuk gave up five runs and two and two-thirds innings. Just an absolute pit of sadness for him right now. Sam Hall, scoreless inning. Sammy Long gave up home run in his two innings of work. That was his home run as it was number nine of the season for Teoscar Hernandez. And then you were able to get one and a third inning scoreless out of Lucas Ursedge. Hopefully I said that correctly. And for Seattle, you just had Bryce Miller mowing them down. Six scoreless innings. Matt Brash, a lot of run in and ending out the bullpen, but Taylor Saucedo, Gabe Spire were both able to end a squirrel setting in. For the LA Angels, they did take down the Boston Red Sox on Wednesday by a count of 7-3. James Paxson figured there was going to be a regression here. Three innings pitch, he gives up five runs, including a pair of bombs. Mike Trout, Shoyo Otani, 26th time in their careers that they go deep in the same game. Number 12 of the season for both of them as the Trout home run actually came off of Nick Pavetta. The other home run that James Paxson gave up was his Acnetto, his third home run season, but for Nick Pavetta, now they've got him coming out of the bullpen. He gave up that home run, two runs in total over the course of three innings. You did have scoreless innings out of Kenley Jansen along Justin Garza. And for the Boston Red Sox, did get home run number five of the season off the bat of Connor Wong. For Tyler Anderson, though, all in all, relatively solid start as that home run came off of Reyes Maranta, who gave up one run in two-thirds inning. Chris Stavinsky, for outside the bullpen scoreless, Aaron Loop gives up a run in an inning, but for Anderson, gives up just one run over the course of six innings. And then turning it to Thursday a little bit more, the St. Louis Cardinals and Cincinnati Reds played a 2-1 to game with St. Louis being able to get it done 
Very good start out of Miles Michaelis. Seven scoreless settings, and for Miles Michaelis, after struggling to start the season, three runs are fear of surrender in each out of his last six starts. Drew Verhagen, he gets a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Scoreless Giovanni Gallegos does allow a run while getting a four-out save. Meanwhile, for the Reds, you're able to get a relatively good start out of Luke Weaver. Six and a third inning scoreless before Lucas Sims gives up two runs in one and two-thirds innings. Scoreless inning was provided by Alan Buznitz as well. You saw a relatively high-scoring outburst from the Tampa Bay Rays on Alec Manoa. Six to three of the final. Alec Manoa had five runs, four of which were earned. Probably half the amount of cheeseburgers they ate after the game over the course of three innings. Yes. Man, that guy doesn't look good right now. From there, Trevor Richards be able to supply three scoreless innings. He did have a run and then give it up by Adam Simber. And then Tim Mesa he was able to supply a scoreless setting as well. Rays made things interesting, giving up a pair of runs in the ninth inning as Jake Diekman came into the game and he very nearly deked us all out and very nearly gas canned this game, giving up two runs in the third of an inning. But Zach Cufflin, pretty effing good. One run surrendered in seven innings. Calvin Fouché, he was able to give you a, a scoreless setting. Calvin Pooch got the final two outs of this game to be able to get the job done. The San Diego Padres were able to come back on the Washington Nationals and they get a big win by a count of eight to six. For Blake Snell, honestly, a relatively solid start for the Padres. Not necessarily a ton of length, as he did a lot of four walks in five innings, but only gives up one run. From there, the Padres, who have the best bullpen ERA in the big leagues over the last five weeks, they did light this game on fire. Tim Hill, he gave up three runs without getting a single out. Nick Martinez allows two runs, one of which was earned in his inning of work, but you did have Brent Honeywell, Josh Hader, and Drew Carlton all end a scoreless inning for the San Diego Padres. Runet Odor. With two outs in the ninth inning and his team down by a run, supplies his third home run of the season. That comes off of Hunter Harvey earlier in the game. Jake Irvin, the starter, gave one up to Trent Grisham. It's fifth home run season for Irvin. Not a lot of length, but not terrible. Gives up two runs over the course of four innings. From there, Andres Machado gives up three runs in an inning. Mason Thompson, Thaddeus Ward, Kyle Finnegan all went to scoreless setting. And then Hunter Harvey, who's honestly been relatively okay in the Nationals bullpen. He gives up that home run. Just to completely light this one on fire. So that was not necessarily too terrific. This game is going final as I do this podcast. Detroit Tigers going into the ninth inning up by a count of 7-2. As the real story in this one, Lucas Giolito is doing such a good job with his command coming into the game. He gives up 7 walks in 3 and 2 thirds innings. He had allowed 12 walks in his first 59 and 2 thirds innings going into this game. No command whatsoever, giving up four runs, including home run. For the Detroit Tigers, it was Akil Badu who was able to get his second home run of the season. From there, Gregory Santos, far outside the bullpen, scoreless Aaron Bummer. Lived up to his aim, giving up two runs in one and a third innings. Gary Crochet, he gives up one run in one and two-thirds innings. And we have seen a home run from Gavin Sheets in seventh home run season. But for Alex Fajardo, very good start. He gives up that home run. Two runs in total, of course, of six innings. He had 10 strikeouts to go along with it. Jose Cicerno, Jason Foley from there have lent a scoreless inning. The Atlanta Braves were able to take care of the Philadelphia Phillies by a count of 8-5 to five as the Atlanta Braves continue to be just an incredible team to the over thus far this season. 30 overs, 19 unders, and one push for them thus far this season. As for Philadelphia, Aaron Nola, he was not super in this one. He gives up three home runs, five runs in total over the course of six innings. As going deep for Atlanta, Marcelo Zuna, 10th home run season. I've been wondering when Austin Riley was going to be a bust out. Well, perhaps this was at 8th and ninth home runs of the season. Sir Anthony Dominguez from there gives you a squirrel saying Jeff Hoffman gives you an out out of the bullpen. But 
Gregory Soto continues to struggle, gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. Meanwhile, for the Atlanta Braves, the Dodd father and Dylan Dodd, not necessarily the start he was looking for. He gave up a pair of home runs to Bryce Harper, third home run season, and Alec Bohm is sixth as he surrenders four runs over the course of five innings. From there, A.J. Minter, he continues his rough season, giving up a run in an inning, but Kirby Yates, Nick Anderson, Rossi Iglesias, all end a squirrel saying to get that one to the window. The Baltimore Orioles just continue to win games. 3-1, they take down the New York Yankees. They are now 33-17. and What the Orioles and the Rays are doing out there in the East is incredible. It's Kyle Gibson. Seven scoreless settings. Mike Bauman, a scoreless setting. Yannir Cano gives up his second run of the season, but he's able to get the save as for the New York Yankees. Clark Schmidt was not bad in this one. He gives up one run over the course of five innings. Fair to say he was a little bit of a tough luck loser. Jimmy Cordero, Albert Abreu, they both lend a scoreless setting. You had a combined three outs of Nick Ramirez and Clay Holmes scoreless out of the bullpen, but Juan Peralta did give up two runs over the course of his inning of work, so that was a little bit of a brutal one. And this one, not going to be going the way of the Milwaukee Brewers, it appears. 5-0, to zero, the Giants are up going into the ninth inning as the Milwaukee Brewers gave Julio Tarán a start, and sadly he was not the worst pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers on this day. He only gave up one run in five innings. Honestly, looked solid from there. Hobie Miller, Lon Trevor McGill, they could buy for two scoreless innings. What was not great was Tyson Miller coming out of the bullpen, giving up four runs in an inning, including a home run to Michael Conforto. His 11th home run of the season, all of a sudden, Michael Conforto has gotten white hot. That's three home runs in four games for him. As for the Giants, it's been the poo-poo platter of pitchers. Jacob June is going the longest of them, doing a third-inning scoreless Sean Manea, along with one of the Rodgers and Taylor Rodgers. Both got four outs out of the bullpen. Tyler Rodgers, along John Brebius, Scott Alexander, of all went for a scoreless setting. Giants are going to need to polish off that ninth inning, but looking good for them. And the New York Mets... They entered into the ninth inning of their game against the Cubs up by a count of 10-1 as Carlos Carrasco, very good start, gives up a solo home run over the course of six and two-thirds innings as Dansby Swanson gets his fifth home run of the season. From there, you've had a squirrel setting from Tommy Hunter and Anna Montavino and out of the bullpen. And for the Mets, Pete Alonso, league-leading 19th home run season as it was a less than savory start for Kyle Hendricks, a professor in his first start of the season. Five runs, three of which were earned, surrendered in four and a third innings from their Brandon Hughes. A pair of outside the bullpen, but this Cubs bullpen continues to be an issue. Michael Rucker gave up that home run. Five runs in total and two and two-thirds innings from there. Avieta Saad came in to get an out of the bullpen. And as I do this, Tucker Barnard, the backup catcher, is right now pitching for the Chicago Cubs. So that could be an even bigger score when you hear this podcast. And currently, no, this is not a typo. The A's are up 2-1. to one. It's in the third inning, so I'm going to need to update this one when I come on the show tomorrow, but currently the Oakland A's have a lead over the Seattle Mariners. I don't think that that is going to be lasting, but what has been long-lasting in terms of what we've seen in Major League Baseball this season is the topsy-turviness with regards to total. Says If you're looking over the last seven days, things have been pretty even. 45 unders, 43 overs, and a few pushes. We shall see how the late games from... Thursday go. I believe we've had three pushes in total, but we've also seen favorites do a relatively okay job. 52 and 39 straight up, but favorites have had a tough time on the run line. 16 of those 52 favorites have been unable to cover the run line, and favorites overall over the last three days have had a little bit of a rough COVID. On the money line, 220 and 174 with 
now having a grand total of 65 different favorites, being unable to cover the run line in the science span. 194 unders, 187 overs. So we've seen about 51% of games over the last 30 days go under the total line overall for the season. 361 overs to 360 unders. I believe that in terms of pushes, we're somewhere in the neighborhood of like 20 or so. But yeah, that has been about as 50-50 as it gets. Favorites hitting at 58.2% overall for the season at 435 and 312 straight up. But we have seen 116 of those wins be wins that do not cover the run line for favorites. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now. And that's what we all got on Thursday. Coming up next, we talk to John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia The Gambler. We're going to be discussing the NL East race. We're going to be taking a look at the outlook of the Phillies and Friday's games with them. Right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here loving Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always great to get this fan aboard. As John Jansen, he does great work over at Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, taking a look at the great game of baseball. I know he's got his own podcast called the Stealing the Bag Podcast. You will find that wherever you get your podcast. He does a great job with the show, The Line Change, over there at Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. And I know the gambler covering a little bit of everything. They were doing a great job of covering the 76ers in season, and they're still doing a great job of covering them, unfortunately. We aren't going to be seeing any 76ers games for quite a while, but what we are going to be seeing a lot of is the Philadelphia Phillies. John does a great job on that front, and you're able to follow him on Twitter at jjansen 34 altogether. And, John, great to have you aboard. Yeah, Thank thanks you. for having me. Been a lot of Sixers talk. Yeah, nothing, none of it fun. And, unfortunately, the Phillies haven't been that much fun either. So, not been a lot of great things to talk about. And it's been interesting with the Philadelphia Phillies as you take a look over the last three days and not only has the bullpen picked it up, the bullpen has actually been really good over the last three days, which I can't believe I am seeing. But <laughs> that said, I take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies and it hasn't necessarily translated to wins. What do you think has been the biggest concern for the Philadelphia Phillies? Because I take a look at the lineup. They've been able to do a solid job of being able to get on base. I just think that they're really lacking power right now. Yeah, power is definitely a big thing because Reese Hoskins obviously isn't there. He's out for the season because of a torn ACL. So that is a lot of power that they didn't really replace. And power is a problem. Look, I, I think mostly the problem is like Kyle Schwarber is taking a little while to get going, and he finally is a little bit. Uh, but guys like Alec Bohm not doing too well. And the big one is Trey Turner is going to be better eventually. And Harper is going to, I think, show some more power potential eventually. But once those two things get going, I think the lineup should be fine. I think my biggest worry, because the lineup, I could see things turning around. I'm just I'm not sure with pitching. And we know Taiwan Walker they got in the offseason. And I think it was a good signing, even though they may have overpaid him. But it looks like it might not be. And there's certainly some signs of concern for Taiwan Walker. And I think the, the other one is Zach Wheeler. Because Zach Wheeler, you know, he's pitched a lot of baseball, but he's had previous arm problems before. And so I think maybe that fatigue is get, catching up to him a little bit. He's had a good run of luck with his with his health. He did into last season. He was injured coming into the season, so he, he took a couple months off, and then he ended up pitching fine rest of the year. He is showing signs of slowing down. I think Aaron Nola, at least, has looked better. Aaron Nola, to me, looking like himself again, but Wheeler, I'm just not exactly sure. So to me, lineup will get together. I think the bullpen, they can keep this up. This has been a while now that they've been uh, one of the best bullpens in baseball, and they're doing it without their best reliever, Jose Alvarado. But I do have legitimate concerns about starting pitching depth. And I think that might be something that pretty much holds them back all season long. And I don't know if that holds them back just to a wild card spot or maybe out of it, but it is something that's going to hamper them a lot. Yeah, it's very interesting to take a look at the starting pitching for the Philadelphia Phillies because on Friday they're going to be throwing out their Taiwan Walker. And 
Taiwan Walker this year just has not been the man that we saw the past few years with the New York Mets. As with the Mets, it's not like he was like some sort of a strikeout artist or anything like that, but the walks are way up this year. He was doing a great job of inducing soft contact the last few seasons. He's right now giving up about 1.6 home runs per nine innings. What do you think has really been the issues with Walker? Because, I mean, the 3-2 and two record doesn't necessarily indicate it, but that's why you can't utilize record when taking a look at these pitchers. It's been a rough year for Tywell Walker. Yeah, and I think you nailed it. I think all of his problems just come with command, not hitting the zone, or when he gets into the zone, he's not really hitting spots. He's just kind of leaving pitches out there. Uh, so I, I think control has been by far his biggest issue. Who knows how much he's going to be able to get that together. I am... Concerned about the depth. Walker is one of those because command, it it could take a while to figure that out. And obviously you're in a new city, you're in a new coaching staff, new pitching staff to try and figure out and and get to know. So I think Walker, it it is going to be a while for him. Now, the one thing I'm not too concerned about, Ranger Suarez, he's only at three starts. Not good starts for his three starts, but it's three starts coming back from an injury. I think eventually he'll be fine, but Walker and Wheeler are two I'm very concerned. Yep, and with Zach Wheeler, I've always taken a look at him just differently at home rather than on the road. As once again, Zach Wheeler struggles this year. They have been coming on the road, so that is something to watch out for. As John Jansen, who does great work over at Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, is joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. And John, just in terms of the division, we've talked about it a few times, but the Philadelphia Phillies, I think that it's very simple and it's very fair to say they're facing up against really the best team in terms of the National League East in the Atlanta Braves. They're currently five and a half games clear of the New York Mets. And I do think that this is going to be a relative route when it's all said and done in terms of this division. But I took a look at the Mets at number two. They enter into their current series 25 and 25. But it feels like the Mets are really lucky to be here at 25 and 25. I don't know how you view the rest of the division. Certainly the Washington Nationals are not going to be there when it's all said and done. But honestly, they've been scrappy and they've shown me at the very least, fight. They've got young guys that are competitive, and they could be one of those spoiler teams when it comes to August and September that wins a few games. But I took a look at this National League East, and even though the Phillies are currently in fourth position, I don't think that they've got a lot to be concerned about, especially with that team in front of them in the Miami Marlins, having a negative 50 run differential, yet being one game below 500, which I think we both would agree is unsustainable. Yeah, that is very unsustainable. I agree with you. Every time I I look at the Mets record and and what they're doing, and when you just watch them, that doesn't feel like a great baseball team. I think their lineup is at least doing well enough at the moment. If you want to take a look at the past couple weeks and in the month of May, the Mets have been fine right around pretty much outside the top 10 and like runs created plus Wilba. So they have been hitting fine and maybe where they're going to be for the season. I just don't know how it gets better. And once the luck starts running out, maybe the balls bounce, don't bounce their way. You know, how do they respond to that? Is their lineup good enough? And is their starting pitching staff that is led by, you know, two starters that are 40 years old? How is that going to continue throughout the season? Is one of them going to get hurt again? We know Verlander was hurt in the year. I do have questions about the Mets and their long. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to take a look at the New York Mets as you mentioned it. They've got a lot of aging guys. And if it's not Pete Alonso that is applying a bunch of offense for the team and is a little bit of a concern for them. As joining me on the show, we do have John Jansen, Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. And John, when I take a look at the entirety of the Friday and weekend card, I do think that there are some really good and there are some really juicy situations that are coming up that are intriguing. Is there maybe a series or two that is GP, that is jumping off 
right up top for you that you are going to be taking a look at and you might be looking to bet on Friday or perhaps just throughout the weekend in general? Well, of course, I'm going to be paying attention to the Phillies and the Braves. Uh, The Phillies have actually not played a lot of division games so far. uh, So I think this road trip is going to be very telling of where they're at in the National League East. I do find that interesting. Nothing really stands out too much. I know Blue Jays twins. I'm looking forward to that series. Pitching match with Kevin Gossman, certainly a step above Varland, who's not been bad, but Gossman, we obviously know, is a good pitcher. But I think the what's going to be a, a, a real test is the Cardinals and the Guardians, and I think I might take the Cardinals with Liberador on the mound. I know he's... Just a fine pitcher. I don't expect too much out of him. I know the ERA last season in seven starts was 5.97, but that was his first year. I think we could see better things. It's just the Cardinals lineup is great, and I know Cleveland has Shane Bieber on the mound, a 3.08 ERA. I am not inspired whatsoever by that Guardians offense. I think that could be a spot. I know like you're getting Bieber at a minus 125, so I understand you're already getting that discounted from a usual ace. The Guardians, I can't trust with that lineup, and I think Libertor can do good enough against that Guardians lineup that I may be looking at the Cardinals here and fading a very good Justin Bieber. Or Shane Bieber, not Justin Bieber, Shane Bieber. (laughs) (laughs) It's too late to say sorry, Yes, it is. It It is too late. And how much do you take a look at Shane Bieber's underlying numbers as well? Because you mentioned that the ERA has been just fine with the brand name Shane Bieber. You're thinking, oh, this is a Shane Bieber of old, but... Shane Bieber currently has a fielding independent that is nearly a full point higher than his ERA, and he has went from getting 14.2 strikeouts per nine innings, which is what he had during his 2020 Cy Young season. That's down to 6.6. So we've seen over the course of a few years, his strikeouts per nine rate get slashed by over 50%. I can't remember ever seeing this quick of a falloff from someone who's like 27 years old. We're certainly not seeing a Shane Bieber, and especially taking a look at the percentile rankings on Baseball Savant, the average exit velocity, uh, the barrel percentage, the XBA, the X slugging, the, the K percentage, everything is just so far down. Now, he is you know, getting good chase rate, which is good. But again, he's getting hit just ridiculously hard. And I would imagine a Cardinals lineup that is hitting everything hard over the past two weeks. That's just a matchup that's kind of waiting for Bieber to get kind of blown up a bit here. Yep, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the word blown up because I take a look at this spot and we've got Patrick Corbin on the road facing off against the Kansas City Royals, needless to say, this is not going to be going in the Hall of Fame of pitching matchups, <laughs> but am I crazy for I've made the uh, Washington Nationals led by Patrick Corbin a slight favorite here because they're going up against Jordan Lyles, and right now I'm seeing the uh, Royals as about a minus 125 to a minus 115 or so favorite, but with Jordan Lyles, the Kansas City Royals have lost every single one of his starts, only one of which by one run, and I take a look at this situation and the Washington Nationals, they're at the very least showing me something. Meanwhile, for the Kansas City Royals, San Salvador Perez, this team looks completely dead. Yeah, they do. And Washington's been surprising. I mean, the last two weeks, they've been near a top five lineup of baseball, so the lineup's been good. And we have been very used to, I know probably you and me, looking at pitchers like Patrick Corbin on the mound and Josiah Gray on the mound and thinking, wow, I cannot wait to bet against them. That's going to be easy bet. Just put it in. You know, obviously you don't do anything blindly in betting, but 
I imagine there's not going to be too many numbers where I wouldn't want to bet on Patrick Corbin. Now, not everything looks great with Corbin because he has some of the same issues with Corbin. But hey, if he's getting a little bit of luck and he's pitching better than he has been, that's just fine against the Kansas City Royals lineup that is just dreadful. Talk about Washington looking great the last two weeks. Kansas City has not. They're ranking 28th in runs created plus. I think these are two teams going in opposite directions. You know, earlier in the year, yeah, if you would have given me a Nationals-Royals game, I would have said these two teams are probably even not right now, though. Washington, as you just said, they're showing me something. Their lineup has showed me something. And Patrick Corbin and even I'll throw in Josiah Gray whenever he's on the mound. They've both showed me that they're at least competent, They're good enough to be on a pitching mound in the major leagues this season, and I think that's certainly going to be good enough against a Royals team that just can't hit. And I don't know if even Patrick Corbin ever reached this level of suckitude. For Jordan Lyles, four plus (laughs) runs allowed in nine straight starts. That's absurd. Nine. It's almost like he took Patrick Corbin's numbers from last year. And then made I don't think own. Patrick Corbin was ever I know, on I don't that think bad of a stretch. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding here. As we do have John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, joining me on the podcast. And I've also got to get your thoughts on this game as well. We've got the Pirates and the Seattle Manners. And the Pirates are still above 500, but needless to say, we've seen regression with them. It's going to be Mitch Keller against George Kirby going at it. And how do you gauge a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates? Because they were so hot to begin the season. Now they have scored three runs or fewer in 16 out of their last 20 games because I always think teams like the Pirates are the hardest to gauge because, I mean, we all knew that they were not going to win 66% of their games or anything like that. We knew that that was unsustainable. At the same time, I look at this recent stretch where they've scored three runs or fewer in 16 out of their last 20, and I'm also convinced that they're not that bad as well. It's trying to gauge how far in the middle it is with regards to Pittsburgh Pirates. I always think that that's a very interesting chess match to play throughout the course of the season. Yeah, it is. And a lot of young guys in the lineup. I know Andrew McCutcheon's kind of leading the way almost a bit there. A lot of young guys in the lineup that you can tell, almost like we said with Baltimore last year and then coming into this year. You know, last year, I've shown some flashes of what those young players can do but obviously wasn't sustainable. And we're seeing now, you know, their lineup is tanked. It's not sustainable. You know, they're at least getting good pitching, like with Mitch Keller, who's going to be on the mound. He has been great. 5-1, 2.44 ERA. And in the month of May, has an ERA of one, only giving up three earned in 27 innings. So he could be viable in this matchup. But the thing is, we're getting kind of the opposite here with the Mariners. The Mariners lineup is kind of waking up a little bit. And they're starting to get more production out of a lineup that, you know, featuring Julio Rodriguez and Teoscar Hernandez all not having great years, but Lennox doing well and their lineup overall starting to turn things around in a way that is much better than they were in previous weeks. I think Seattle is is showing me something now that I think I would maybe want to stay away with this game from the Pirates because their lineup has just completely tanked and I think almost untrustworthy at this point. Yep, it certainly has become very untrustworthy. It is the opposite of you, John, who you do an absolutely tremendous job over at Fox Sports Philadelphia Gambler. I know you do your own podcast called Sealing the Bag, where people are able to find podcasts, they're able to find that great one. I know that you've got a lot of irons in the fire this time of year, so let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you 
and how people can follow on, on social media and other platforms. Yeah, you can follow me at jjansen34 on Twitter. A lot of my stuff is going to be there, but also Fox Sports the Gambler at FoxPHLGambler. FoxPHLGambler.com is where you can check out the podcast. So be sure to check us out all there and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're doing more video if you want to see my face instead of just hearing my voice. I don't know why you would want to do that, but you can still search up Fox Sports the Gambler on YouTube and starting to post more videos there and live streams there as well. So you can check us out. And John does an absolutely tremendous job taking a look at the great game of baseball. And if you're a fan of just all things Philadelphia sports, he's the guy you covered there. And every single time he joins this podcast, lends tremendous insights, much like today. A big thanks to John Jansen for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. (laughs) 
Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always great to get John Jansen aboard. He does great work over at Fox Sports Philadelphia, The Gambler, doing his show, The Line Change. I know that he's got an MLB podcast, much like myself, called Stealing the Bag. You're able to find that wherever your podcast. He does an incredible job taking a look at the great game of baseball day in and day out. And every time he joins this podcast, Lends tremendous insights and some really good picks. So, big thanks to John for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore 81. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first. Then the American League games, any interleague games, those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So without further ado, let's dive in on this first game of 901-902 on the betting board. It is the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati, Bill Belichick, and they're under the road to face off against the Chicago Cubs. The man of seal, Justin Steele, goes for the Cubs, and Hunter Green is on the bump for the Reds. Reds are between plus 135 and plus 143 underdogs, between minus 152 to minus 155. The number on the Cubs, this is a Wrigley Field game, so only DraftKings currently has a total up. They have their total at 8, under is minus 115, the over is minus 105, and if we were to get that total, I'd be taking a look at the under. I said my total at some point 3. Most books will have this up in the AM, but I fully expect this to drop a little bit because wind, as far as I'm seeing for a Wrigley Field, this will be a day game, so it'll be an afternoon game. Going to be blowing inward a little bit, right around about 8 to 10 miles per hour. Not super duper demonstrative, but it should be causing for a bit of a dip in terms of the total. And I think that that is of the advantage of Hunter Green. I am still going to be fading the Reds, but that does help him out quite a bit. So I do look at this total under with Hunter Green. He's had a little bit of a rough time this season keeping the ball in the yard, but most of his home run woes have come at home because 
plays in a very hitter-friendly ballpark. One, Hunter Green has been on the road. ERAs went from a 5.18 at home to a 4.21 on the road, giving up two home runs to 25 and two-thirds innings when he has been on the road. I do think that just with the way that he pitches, as he's been able to get north of 11.5 strikeouts per nine innings, it's a little bit all or nothing for him because when folks are able to bear it all it up, it goes very far. Meanwhile, for Justin Seal, he does a great job of inducing soft contact. Two home runs surrendered in 61 and a third innings. He's really worked on the walks this year as well. He's down sub three walks per nine innings. As a matter of fact, sub two and a half walks per nine innings. So that has been tremendous, giving up just five walks over the course of his last four starts. Had a little bit of a rough outing when he faced off against the Houston Astros, but at home has been massive. A buck 48 ERA. Now, if you've got a trepidation with the Chicago Cubs, this bullpen has been not terrific. Michael Fulmer has been a hot mess. They're currently dealing with an injury to Brad Boxberger. Mike Leiter Jr. has been relatively solid, but I mean, the good relief appearances have been few and far between for a Cubs team that is 21st in the league in terms of bullpen area, while the Reds, they're more around 11th. You've gotten good production out of guys like Ian Gabo, Buck Farmer, Alexis Diaz has had a sub-250 ERA over the last few seasons, but it's not like this Reds team was pounding out a lot of deep balls to start out with. Now with the wind blowing in, that hurts them even further. Reds in the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of home runs per game. Only one player with north of five home runs as far this season. That'd be Spencer Steer with six. Now, they do have guys that are able to get on base for you. Jonathan India, right around a 375 on base. TJ Friedel is currently injured, so that hurts some. But Steer, I mentioned before, he, along with someone like Jake Fraley, between a 345 and a 355 on base. You've been able to have Kevin Newman move the line as well. Meanwhile, for the Chicago Cubs, this team is in the top three in the National League in terms of both batting average and on base percentage. You have had Patrick Wisdom be able to supply 12 home runs, but he's been going a little bit cold in terms of his offense recently. You do take a look at this lineup as a whole, and among guys that have seen at least 55 at-bats for this team, you've got just two guys sitting below a 247. So, I mean, there's a lot of consistency, and Christopher Morrell looks like Babe Ruth Jr. right now. He's been able to supply nine home runs with his first 53 at-bats of the season. In north of a 350, that has been absolutely incredible. And then you've got the likes of C.A. Suzuki, Nico Horner, Jan Gomes. I mean, they're not providing great on-base percentages, but they're hitting above a 285 in the Ian app. He does provide about a 410 on base. So I do think that the Cubs should be able to get to Hunter Green and company. I think that Justin Seal is going to be the man of Seal once again. So as long as we get a 7 half or higher, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. 7 will be my buy point on and over. And for the Cubs, I did set them on the money line at a minus 164. Currently, you really don't have run lines up anywhere. That said, if I were to get north of a plus 125, I would consider that run line. Otherwise, it's going to be up to a minus 165 light on the Cubs' money line to go along with an 8-under. 903-904 on the buddy board. The Atlanta Braves plays the Philadelphia Phillies. As Tom Walker goes for the Phillies. Jared Schuster is on the bump for the Braves. And the Braves are between minus 142 to minus 150 favorites. Between plus 125 and plus 135, the number on the Phillies. And 9.5 is the total. The over and the under are both at minus 110. And with the Bravos, I did set them on the money line at a minus 141 with Jared Schuster. He's been a little bit up and down. I haven't necessarily loved what I've seen from him at the minor league level, but he is coming off of a relatively solid start. So 
It's a little bit of a jury's out situation for Jared Schuster as I mean, when he's been at the big league level thus far this season, the five and a half walks per nine innings have been a little bit concerning, but you take a look at what he's been able to do at the minor league level. ERA isn't bad, but once again, those five walks per nine innings, it does give you quite a bit of trepidation, but then you take a look at the flip side for Taiwan Walker, and he has been far from tremendous in terms of his command as well as things have went completely sideways. For Taiwan Walker, someone who was doing a good job of locating the last few years thus far this season, right around about 4.3 walks per nine innings, giving up 1.6 home runs per nine innings, and having to face off against an Atlanta Braves team that is in the top two in the National League in terms of both runs per game and home runs per contest. This is not the offense that you do want to be facing off against, and I will say this for the Philadelphia Phillies. If you take a look at their bullpen ERA over the last three days, this has been one of the best teams in all baseball, as currently they are second in the big leagues in terms of bullpen area in the science fan. Overall for the season, it hasn't necessarily been so great as overall for the season, they're 14th in terms of bullpen ERA, relatively on par with the Atlanta Braves, who are 17th, but they've really been able to pick it up recently, and this has come with Jose Alvarado currently on the injured list. Meanwhile, for the Braves, they were able to pick up Rossio Iglesias after he was injured to begin the season, so that helps them out, and Jesse Chavez has been rock solid for the team as well, but Kirby Yates is someone that I just have not been too bullish on. A.J. Minter has had a rough year as well, so it is interesting to take a look at those moving pieces, but you know what you're going to be able to get out of this lineup, and that's a lot of power that has been lacking with the Philadelphia Phillies. I'll dive into that in a minute, but... I mean, with the Atlanta Braves, you've got five different guys that have given you at least nine home runs. One of them is Marcelo Zuna. really needs to pick it up with regards to being able to move the line and being able to hit for average. But Ronald Acuna Jr., Sean Murphy, both north of a 395 on base, a combined 21 home runs between the two of them. Ozzy Albies, a 255 with his 10 home runs. Matt Olsen, only getting a 235, but a 362 on base. 14 home runs. He has been terrific. Austin Riley is starting to pick it up a little bit more with getting on base. You've had Orlando Arcia when he has been out there be able to do solid jobs. I know that he's been a little bit banged up, but being able to get him back in the fold has been terrific, though. Michael Harris, he's been a little bit rough in them for the Philadelphia Phillies. Kyle Schwarber has really been the only guy that has been able to supply power for this team. He's the only guy with north of five home runs with 12 now. You've got Bryson Sutton, Nick Cassianos, Alec Bohm, and Trey Turner all with five home runs, and all these guys, except for Trey Turner, hitting for at least a 320 on base, at least a 250 batting average with Cassianos and Stott, both right around at 290. We shall see if Trey Turner hitting that big home run against the Arizona Diamondbacks a couple days ago. is going to be able to get him kick-started, but we're noticing guys like a Brandon Marr, JT Rimito, Amanda Sosa, in between about a 272-275. So the Phillies have been able to move the line, so it is a little bit of an interesting ordeal. I set my money line with the Braves at a minus 141 right now, the lowest I'm finding them. It's more around about a minus 142, but if you are taking a look at the run line, you're going to be finding that in that neighborhood of, I would say, about a plus 125 to a plus 130. So this is going to be a little bit of a wait and see for me. I would need at least a plus 138 to be able to take a look at a run line. And when it's all said and done, if we were to get down to like the Phillies getting a run and a half at more round about a minus 135 to a minus 140, that's something that I would be willing to entertain. So right now in hold off mode, but I do think that when it's all said and done, once the juice irons out, should be able to get the Braves more round to minus 140. So that's my initial lean there. And I did set my tail at a 9.7. Schuster just has not been too tremendous. I do think that there's going to be a bit of regression with this Phillies bullpen as well. You've got guys like Andrew Vasquez, Jeff Hoffman, who have really been able to come through. Jose Alvarado is still out of the fold. So I do think that 
you're going to be seeing regression there. And they still employ Craig Kimbrell. So let's not forget about that. So I'm taking a look at this nine and a half over. And with the Atlanta Braves, we'll lay up to a minus 140 on that money line. 905, 906 is going to be the DK Nation write up pick as we've got the Milwaukee Brewers playing on the San Francisco Giants. Alex Wood goes for the Giants, and Freddie Peralta is on the bump for the Brewers. Brewers open up at a minus 120. They're now anywhere between minus 124 to minus 130 favorites. Between plus 110 and plus 115 is your number on San Francisco. And the total of this game is 8.5. The over and the under anywhere between minus 105 to minus 115. And right up pick is going to be on the Milwaukee Brewers on the money line. I set them at a minus 173. So despite the fact that we've seen a very small tick up, on this one, I still think that you've got really good value. And the reason why I do like the Brewers in this ordeal is that Freddy Peralta has been a completely different pitcher when he has been at home rather than on the road. For Freddy Peralta, it has been a house of horrors for him when he's been away from Milwaukee. A 645 road area compared to a 243 home area. And what is so key about Freddy Peralta in this spot as well is that he's done a good job of being able to limit our contact when he's been at home. On the road, he has given up five home runs in 22 and a third innings. Meanwhile, at home, he's given up one home run in 29 and two-thirds innings. This is big because he goes up against the San Francisco Giants team and is hitting 1.7 home runs per game on the road. That's the second most in the National League. And for the San Francisco Giants, it's really the lifeblood of this team. As for the Giants, they've done a great job of platooning. You have had one guy, Michael Conforto, be able to get off to a nice start with 10 home runs. And then behind him, you've essentially got seven other guys with between five and eight home runs. As some of these guys are moving the line. Lamonte Wade Jr. has been able to give you 425 on base. Thario Estrada is hitting about a 310 as well. But a lot of these guys, they've been a little bit up and down. They've been dealing with that injury to Mikey Stremski as well. That has been hurting them, though. I do like what they've been able to get out of Casey Schmidt, who's hitting above a 300 as well. But for the Giants, they really do rely upon that deep ball. Meanwhile, for the San Francisco Giants, they had to use a bullpen game yesterday. And now they've got a pitcher in Alex Wood that has made five starts, six total appearances, has not completed a full five innings thus far this season. And to add on top of that, the San Francisco Giants have the worst bullpen here in the big leagues. Other than Camilio Duvall, you really don't have anyone that's trustworthy in this bullpen. Tyler Rogers has been okay as well. He's got a sub-3 ERA, but I mean, once you get past those two guys, you've got a whole bunch of schlubs out there like John Brebbia, Scott Alexander. They're posting up ERAs that are in the full range, and those are more of your trustworthy bullpen pieces. Taylor Rogers, a former Brewer, has been terrible. Tristan Beck has been terrible. You just go down the list, and you're getting nothing out of these guys, and yet heavy bullpen use yesterday as well. And for Alex Wood, on top of that, he's got an ERA that is north of five on the road the last two seasons, giving up a home run in after nine innings, and the Milwaukee Brewers, they really rely upon the home run ball at home. They entered into the series tied for the most home runs per game of any team in the National League. Rowdy Tellez has been really one of the main suppliers of that. He's been able to give you 12 home runs as far this season as he's a part of just a big giant log jam of Brewers that have between, I would say, about a 325 to a 345 on base as you've got Tellez, Christian Yelich, Brian Anderson throwing their Victor Carantini, Jesse Winker on that fold. Now, Owen Miller has been able to hit about a 345 with a 367 on base. So he's been able to do a good job of moving the line. You've got Anderson and Yellow. You could buy him 15 home runs between those two guys and Willie Thomas. Though he doesn't necessarily get on base a ton, he has been able to supply nine home runs this far this season and for the Brewers as well. I mean, the bullpen, it has been a little bit testy this far this season as currently in terms of ERA going into Thursday night, they were 16th in the league. But a lot of those guys that 
gave up those runs like Javi Guerra, Gus Farland there, currently not on the roster, as you've been able to get some very good production out of Joel Piams along with Elvis Pieto, both of these guys, a sub-3 ERA. They're looking to Trevor McGill for some innings. I think that that might be a little bit of a failed experiment, but Peter Strzelecki has been okay getting the ball to Devin Williams, who's been one of the best closers in the big leagues, and I do think that for the Milwaukee Brewers, they are going to be able to get a good start out of Freddie Peralta at home, which is why I set them at a minus 173 on the money line. My official write-up pick is going to be on the money line. I don't hate a run line look here as well. The Milwaukee Brewers, you're finding them between plus 155 and plus 157 on this run line. So, trust me, I am not going to deter you from the run line, and I personally, when it's all said and done, am probably just going to take that big plus money on the run line, but I do think that the Brewers should be able to get the job done. My write-up pick is officially going to be the Brewers on the money line, seeing a lot of value there, and I did set my tail at 8.6. I do think that the Giants are going to be able to get a solo shot or two. I think that the Brewers take it to Alex Wood and this bad bullpen as well, though. So, looking at the Brewers with my DK Nation write-up pick, and in terms of the total at the 8.5, I'm going to be taking a look at the over 907908 on the betting board. It is the New York Mets, and they had throw it face off against the Colorado Rockies. Says got Connor Seabold on the bump for the Rockies, and Matt Max Scherzer is on the bump for the Mets. Mets are between minus 205 to minus 215 favorites, and between plus 185 and plus 190, your number on Colorado. 11 is the total. The over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. And if you're looking at a run line of the Metropolitans, you're going to be finding that minus 140 to minus 150. And I cannot get with this. I set the Colorado Rockies at a plus 153. We are just overrating the New York Mets. I was talking about this with John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, but I just have not been impressed by the team. I'm going to be willing to take the Colorado Rockies on the money line. Rockies obviously play just so differently at home rather than on the road. They've got the second best home batting average in the National League when they are at home. I know about it. All of that is because it's at elevation. But for Max Scherzer, he just has not been effective thus far this year. He's got an ERA that's hovering right around four. His strikeouts per nine rate is now below eight and a half. His walks per nine rate, that is north of three. He just hasn't been too terrific. And he's got a 596 ERA on the road, giving up six home runs in 22 and two-thirds innings. I can tell you exactly what the problem is for Max Scherzer. Once he gets through the second time through the lineup, he's getting lit up. He has faced hitters for 16 at-bats. Third time through the lineup. In those 16 at-bats, he has allowed four of his six home runs thus far this season. I mean, he is just not a guy that you're able to throw out there for much more than five innings. And the New York Mets don't necessarily have the world's greatest bullpen backing him up. This is a Mets bullpen that entered in the Thursday night, 18th in the league in terms of ERA. You've got David Robertson. You've also got a guy in Drew Smith that I really like. Both of them might be able to supply you with a sub-315 ERA. Adam Adovino is able to give you a couple okay innings, but you've seen him have a rise in that ERA. Dominic Leone has not necessarily been too terrific as well. For the Colorado Rockies, when they aren't trotting out there, the very untrustworthy Pierce Johnson, you know, things have been relatively okay for the team. Justin Lawrence has a sub-3 ERA. Brent Suter has been absolutely amazing for the team. Daniel Bard has been able to give you good innings as well. It's the Colorado Rockies bunch that they entered into their game with the uh, Miami Marlins yesterday. 16th of the league in terms of bullpen ERA. Doesn't sound great, but when you play a half your games at elevation, that is big. And for the Colorado Rockies, they are dealing with a little bit of an injury to C.J. Crone, but Elias Diaz overall this season, home and road, he's hitting a 340 overall. Chris Bryant has been able to do a good job of moving the line. And then you just look at specifically what some of these guys are doing at home, and you've been able to get really good production out of someone like a Harold Castro who's been able to hit above a 300 for this bunch. So I like what he's been able to bring to the table. Charlie Blackman is always able to move the line when he's at home as well. And for the New York Mets, 
They're just really reliant upon Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso has been incredible. 18 home runs on the season entering into yesterday. You've got one other player with north of six home runs in Francisco Lindor. Now, I will give a little bit of credit to Francisco Alvarez over the last 30 days. He has really been able to pick it up. He's now hitting about a 250 for the season as over the last 15 days. About a 370 on base, three home runs. So things are very much looking up for him. But you need to get a little bit more just in terms of moving the line, in terms of on base from quite a few guys like Right now, you've got Francisco Lindor, I mentioned before, Eduardo Escobar, Pete Alonso, even, Starling Marte, Marcana, all in between about a 220 to 236. Now, with Alonso, he does a solid job of being able to reach base. Daniel Vogelback does as well, but he's only hanging at 229. But the team hasn't been able to do a great job with that regard. Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nimmo, they both do a solid job at the leadoff spots of giving you north of 360 on base as well. But I do think that Connor Siebold is going to be able to give you a relatively okay start. He has had a few rough outings against the Reds and the Texas Rangers, but I do think that he's starting to figure it out a little bit more as a starter. He gives up about three walks per nine innings, doesn't like the world on fire in terms of strikeouts, seven out strikeouts per nine innings, but I've actually liked what I've seen out of Siebel thus far this season. I think that he's been a little bit unlucky on balls in play. His opponents are hitting a 315 off of him. I think that that should be coming down a little bit, so this is a circumstance where I'm going to be one to trust in the Colorado Rockies on the money line. I just think that for lack of a better term, Max Scherzer is a little bit washed up. And when it comes to this total, I did set my total at 11.3. I do think that the Rockies are going to be able to put back to ball. And we have noticed that the Mets, in terms of their offense, they've been able to get going a little bit more. So, we'll take the plus price with Colorado Rockies. And I'm going to be taking a look at this total over 909.910 on the betting board. It is the Chicago White Sox. They're going to be facing up against the Detroit Tigers. As Joey Wentz is going to be going for the Tigers. And Lance Lynn is on the bump for the White Sox. 8.5 is the total over and under. Anywhere between minus 105 to minus 115. And between minus 132 to minus 145. Your number on the White Sox between plus 120 and plus 125 is the price of the Detroit Tigers. And when it comes to Lance Lynn, it's been a rough year for him. But I was willing to set him at a minus 141 on the money line. And this is mostly a fade of Joey Wentz. When it comes to the Detroit Tigers, they do have actually a good bullpen behind them as you've been able to have Jason Foley, Alex Lang be able to supply a sub-2 ERA, but man, when it comes to Joey Wentz, you're going to need a lot of relief for this man. A 7.45 ERA thus far this season. He's given up three plus runs and three out of his last four starts. And in his last two starts, he's allowed nine runs, 16 total hits while going four and two-thirds innings against the Seattle Mariners and the Washington Nationals. Boy, that is not good. And for Joey Wentz, he's got a home ERA of a 665 with four home runs allowed to 21 and two-thirds innings. This is an incredibly pitcher-friendly ballpark. Meanwhile, for Lance Lynn, it does feel like the wheels are starting to churn a little bit more for him. He's given up three earned runs over the course of 13 innings in his last few starts. Now, they're against Kansas City Royals and the Cleveland Guardians at home. Not necessarily monsters of the midway, but you know what? Things are starting to look a little bit better on this front for Lance Lynn as he has given up 12 home runs over the course of 57 and a third innings. He's given up a lot of hard contact, but he is getting 10 strikeouts per nine innings. His walks per nine rate, that's right around three. It is up from last season, but if you take a look at the underlying numbers for Lance Lynn, has he been great? No, this is not a guy that should be like a Cy Young Award candidate or anything like that, but he certainly deserves better than the 620 ADRA that he currently has, fielding independent right around 471. Now, for the Chicago White Sox, you always roll the dice with this bullpen. I mentioned it with the Detroit Tigers, the fact that they've got some relatively trustworthy relievers, even someone like a Tyler Holton. You're able to throw in there. Jose Cicero, they're solid. They're 10th of the league in terms of bullpen ERA. Meanwhile, for the Chicago White Sox, they should be very fortunate that the Oakland A's are in existence because 
The Oakland A's are the only team in the big leagues with a worse ERA than them in the bullpen, but you know what? You've been able to get a little bit more out of Gregory Santos along Keenan Milton. They, along with, surprisingly, Joe Kelly, are surprisingly supplying you with a sub-350 ERA. We have seen Kendall Graben be able to pick it up as well. Now, guys like Aaron Bummer, Jimmy Lambert, and company, they have not been very good, but for the Chicago White Sox, they should be able to hit Joey once in this spot. You do have a White Sox team that they don't do a great job with regards to plate discipline, though. You do have a pair of guys with Jake Berger, Luis Robert, maybe able to supply a combined 23 home runs, and they both do a solid job with their average. Jake Berger hitting about a 250 going knee yesterday. Luis Robert is hitting about a 270 to a 275, and you do have quite a few guys that have been able to do an okay job I'll be able to find a way on base. He has Monty Grandal, Yuan Moncada, Ribeiro, I mentioned, Andrew Benatendi, all introduced yesterday, in between about a 270 to 280. Pretty much all these guys, between a 325 to a 345 in terms of their on base. Tim Anderson has been down a little bit as he, Andrew Vaughn, Gavin Sheets, sitting between about a 235 to a 245, and these guys really don't draw a lot of walks, so that's a little bit of an issue, but the Detroit Tigers, one of the lesser teams in terms of power that you're going to find in the big leagues. Riley Green, well, I know that Danielle Bruce was pointing out yesterday, he has been tremendous. He had a home run in that series against the Kansas City Royals. He's been able to give you about a 350 on base, but I mean, part of the issue for the Tigers is that nobody entering into yesterday had north of five home runs as far this season. Riley Green, Nick Mayton, Jason Rogers are all in that fold, and for Mayton and along with Rogers, they both entered into yesterday, hitting a buck seventy or lower. This is a Tiger team that's doing a little bit of a better job of moving the line. Zach Short, Zach McKinstry, both of these guys have been able to give you north of a three sixty on base, but Javi Baez has been all over the place as far this season. Whenever you're trying out there, something like an Andy Abanez, it has been a little bit rough. So I'm going to be trusting in Lance Lynn to be able to get the job done. And flat out, I just don't want any part of Joey Wentz in this spot. I did set the White Sox at a minus 141 on the money line, so I'm going to be willing to lay that. Did sell my total at 8.3. It's been a Tigers lineup that has had a rough time all season long, and I do think that Lance Lynn starting to run into form. So willing to lay up to a minus 140 on this White Sox money line. Don't want a part of the run line because this bullpen is not very good to go along with the 8.5 under. 9, 11, 9, 12 on the betting board. It is the Walker, Texas Rangers on the road facing off against the Baltimore Orioles. 55 shades of John Gray goes for Texas. Meanwhile, Grayson Rodriguez goes for Baltimore. And Baltimore is a minus 128 to a minus 137 favorite. Anywhere between plus 110 and plus 127. Your number on Texas. 8.5 is the total. Over is between minus 115 to a minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 105. And with the Orioles, want to set them as a minus 142 on the money line. Most places had a minus 130 earlier. We are seeing this tick up a little bit, but I'm still seeing some value here. As for John Gray, I have to wonder how long the luck is going to be able to sustain from because with John Gray, if you take a look at his strikeout numbers from last year, he was getting more like nine and a half to ten strikeouts per nine innings. That is completely cratered this year to 6.8 strikeouts per nine innings. I believe that he took a comebacker a little bit earlier in the season, and that really affected him a tad as his walks are up as well because he's got a 3.02 ERA compared to a 4.82 fielding independent. Last year he had a 3.96 ERA compared to a 3.80 fielding independent. So we certainly have seen him be less effective, and yet he's got a lower ERA somehow, some way. And 
for John Gray. I do think that that regression is coming sooner rather than later, and if it does come, he's backed up by a bullpen that has been absolutely terrible. The Texas Rangers, in terms of bullpen, are right, 27th in the big leagues as Jonathan Hernandez is out posting up north of a 6 ERA. Brock Burke has become a little bit unreliable. Jose LeClerc is a little bit all over the place as well. Meanwhile, they go up against the Baltimore Orioles team that entered into a Thursday night number two in the big leagues. In terms of bullpen ERA, Yanir Cano, Felix Batista, both supplying a sub-175 ERA has been terrific. They get Michael Gibbons back. CNL Perez after a rough start to the season, sub-3 ERA over the last 35 days as well. But for Grayson Rodriguez, he just needs to find a way to be able to reduce the hard contact. He's giving up north of two home runs per nine innings. He has been giving up right around 3.7 walks per nine innings. This kid is going to be an ace someday, but he is giving up a 7.36 ERA at home as well. And that's an issue when you go up against the Texas Rangers team. That leads the league in total runs per game as Marcus Simeon was a complete flopperoonie last season. Now he's been able to get his on base north of a 370. He's hitting nearly a 300. And you got so many guys that are supplying for this team as Adelise Garcia is right now the main home run hitter. He's been able to go deep 14 times thus far this season. He, along with Josh Young, both hitting in the pocket about a 252-260 with Young being able to give you nine home runs as well. But you've got so many guys that are just so balanced in terms of this lineup. Like Jonah Heim, he's been able to give you about a 275 average. He's slugging out six home runs. Nate Lowe is giving you a 370 on base. There's really no breaks with this lineup, and now you get Corey Seager back to fold as well. But you've also got good balance with regards to this Baltimore Orioles lineup as well as someone like Natalie Rushman. He's been able to do a nice job supplying seven home runs. He's able to give you about a 400 on base. He has been tremendous with that regard, has been a little bit up and down last few weeks, but still has been good ever since Anthony Santander got over his back issue. He's been able to give you north of a 350 on base as well. Adam Frazier has done a good job of being able to move the line. You've got Ode Mateo, Cedric Mullins. You combine 27 stolen bases between the two of them. Mateo starting to regress a little bit. You're getting progression from Mullins, though, who's been able to overall for the season 275 with eight home runs, but he's done an incredible job over the last 15 days, hitting for about a 340 with four bombs, and then you got Ryan Mountcastle, who's able to give you 11 home runs as well. This is going to be a relative fade of John Gray, as I do think that the overall pitching for the Baltimore Orioles, it is better, and I do think that both of these teams are going to put runs up on the board. I do think the Grayson Rodriguez is going to be had a little bit in the spot. Semi total at a 9.2, so getting an 8.5 total, I'm looking at the over. And with Baltimore, one to lay up to a minus 142 on this money line. 9.13, 9.14 on the betting board. The Toronto Blue Jays are on the road facing off against the Minnesota Twins. Louis Varlin goes for the Twins, and Kevin Gosman is on the bump for Toronto, and Toronto is between a minus 140 to a minus 150 favorite. Between plus 122 to a plus 135 is your number on the uh, Minnesota Twins, and total on this game is 8. Over is minus 120, the under is even. I did set my total at some point, I'm going to be willing to dive under, and with the Blue Jays, I was willing to go up to a minus 144 in terms of this money line, so we're pretty much at the max I'm willing to lay there. If you're looking at the run line of the Jays, you're only getting about a plus 115. I would need something much more demonstrative than that. I would need at least more like a plus 130 to be able to dive in there as Kevin Gosman, he certainly has been a little bit intermiss. I still remember there was a five-star streak where he had gone six full settings with zero runs allowed in three of those starts, and he had given up eight runs in the other two. So for Kevin Gosman, when he's rolling, he is certainly rolling, and when he's at, he certainly does get had. But at the same time with Kevin Gosman, he has been terrific thus far this season. His home runs per nine rate is right around about 0.8. He's giving up fewer than two walks per nine innings. He's getting north of 11 punch outs per nine innings. He's been 
just so masterful with that regard. Now, on the road, he does have a 409 ERA when he's been giving up more of the contact in general, not just hard contact, but overall contact. But I do think that he's going to be able to do a solid job against the Minnesota Twins team that they just haven't been able to put bat to ball this far this season. Now, for the Minnesota Twins, they do a significantly better job with their batting average at home rather than on the road. And, well, it couldn't get much worse on the road because out of 30 MLB teams, in terms of road batting average, they are currently number 30. But you know what? They've been able to hit about a 245 at home. They're 26th overall in the league in terms of batting average. But you've got guys that just need to pick it up. Carlos Correa continues to be just not giving the team much of anything whatsoever. They've got Max Kepler on the injured list, so they need him to pick it up as he, Trevor Larnish, along with Eduardo Julian, Kyle Garlick, Michael A. Taylor. They're all in at 215 or lower, and other than Joey Gallo, who's got about a 325 on base. These guys aren't necessarily moving the line. And for Joey Gallo, he's been able to supply 11 home runs as far this season, Byron Bucks in 10, but with Ori Polanco currently dealing with an injury, you really only have one guy that has seen north of 55 at-bats as far this season and is sitting above a 270, and that would be Kyle Farmer getting him back. I do think he's massive now. For the Minnesota Twins, they do have a little bit of a leg up in the bullpen, even with Ori Alcala. Currently out of the full Duan Duran, along with Ori Lopez, both will be able to give you a sub-3 ERA. The team is ninth in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. You absolutely want to be avoiding Emilio Bagan because he just sucks, but Giovanni Morin, after a really rough start to the season, he's been able to pick it up as well as he, over the last three days, has been able to give you an ERA that's hovering right around a buck fifty. so I like the way that he's rounding in a form. Meanwhile, for the Toronto Blue Jays, in terms of their bullpen ERA, they're clocking in right around 15th. Emi Garcia, Anthony Bass have really driven this up as Tim Mesa, Eric Swanson, Evan Saw, Jordan Romano. It's been a little bit more of a roll of the dice, but still, I've got a little bit of faith in him. And when it comes to the Blue Jays, it's just a matter of when. These guys are really able to bust out with their bats. They're currently dealing with injuries to Jamie Jansen along Santiago Espinal. Honestly, sometimes off for those two guys as they have really been struggling this year. Might do them a little bit of good as we've got a big three. And Flagger Jr., Matt Chapman, along with Bo Bichette. A combined 24 home runs between the three of them. And I expect that to go way northward. All three of these guys between a 365 and a 375 on base. Whit Merrifield does a good job of being able to get on so that way those solo home runs turn into two and three run shots. Hitting about a 285 and how about the way that Brandon Belt has been able to pick it up? He was terrible to begin the season. Now he's been able to hit about a 375 over the last three weeks. So that is absolutely massive for this Blue Jays team. But they've been really lacking a little bit of power thus far this season as they're still a team that's right around average to above average, just barely in terms of their home run numbers. I do think that this is going to be going northward, and they are facing off against someone in Louis Varlin, who is giving up 2.25 home runs per nine innings. The strikeout numbers are there for Louis Varlin. He's been able to get 10 punch outs per nine innings. Actually, a hometown kid as he was pitching for Concordia of Minnesota a few years ago, and I, he's been able to give you a 292 ERA in his home starts this far this season. has been getting tagged a little bit more on the road, and the command is not bad. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of positivity with hard contact that he gives up, and this is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in Minnesota, which is why I did sell my at 7.8, but flat out, I just am willing to trust in Kevin Gosman more in this spot. When it comes to the money line, I'm willing to lay up to a minus 143 with the Blue Jays, and in the terms of the total at an 8, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. 915-916 on the betting board. The Houston Astros at the road faceoff against the Oakland A's. James Caprillion goes for the A's, and Hunter Brown is on the bump for Houston. Houston is a minus 235 to a minus 260 road favorite. Number between plus 210 and plus 220 is your number on Oakland. 8 to 8.5 is the total on the 8. Overs between minus 115 and minus 125. Unders between minus 105 and plus 105 on the 8.5. Unders between minus 115 to a minus 120. The overs between even a minus 105 and... 
I needed at least a plus 270 to take a shot here on the Oakland A's. If you're looking at the run line of the Houston Astros, that's between minus 140 to a minus 150. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 168. This Oakland A's team is just a house of horrors right now. I mean, good grief. I recognize that James Caprillion in his last start did not look absolutely horrible, but I mean, for the year, he's rocking an 868 ERA. This starting rotation has an ERA north of 7. It's just so bad right now. James Caprillion, 6 home runs and 19 walks in 28 innings. He's been able to get north of 9 strikeouts per 9 innings, and last start against the Houston Astros, he gives up just one run over the course of 5 innings. That's a little bit of positivity, but... Man, this guy has never really had command throughout his career. He's always been hit very hard. And for the Houston Astros, I do think that they're going to start to find it with their offense. Getting Jose Altuve back to the fold, I think is absolutely bad. But it's going to take him a few weeks to be around and form now. Jose Abreu, the fact that he's still stuck on zero home runs is just absolutely terrible. As he, Alex Bregman, the entirety of the catcher spot, only a 225 or lower. That's an issue. And Jeremy Pena, about a 285 on base and six home runs. You just expect a little bit more there, but... Jordan Alvarez, Mauricio Dubon, hitting right around 300 is big. And with Alvarez, his on-base percentage is 412 home runs. Kyle Tucker, 355 on-base. He's able to supply some boom as well. So I think that this is just like it was for the Seattle Mariners, a classic get-right spot for this lineup. And you've got an Oakland A's team that they are the worst-hitting team at home in the big leagues, averaging right around 3.2 to 3.3 runs per game at home. They're going to get 212 as a collective at home. you got Estadio Ruiz, who's been able to give you about a 380 on base at home. Brent Rooker has been able to give you some pop as well, 360 on base, four home runs at his home games thus far this season, but it's a Oakland A's team that they just can't drive it out when they're playing at home. The Marine layer is out, and these guys, they're not hitting well to start out with when it is both home and road numbers because you take a look at guys like Shea Langolaires, Jace Peterson, along with Ramon Laureano, Elamendi Ciaz, Kevin Smith, Seth Brown, all these guys hitting at 208 or lower with Langoliers. He has been able to give you seven home runs, but this team is terrible. Richard Lovelady in the bullpen has a sub-3 ERA. Sam Ball has been relatively okay, but this Oakland A's bullpen has got an ERA nearly a point and a half higher than any other out there in the big leagues. Meanwhile, for the Houston Astros, this team was number one in the league in terms of bullpen ERA last season. They're currently number four in the league this year. We've seen a little bit of regression with Seth Martinez, Lalonth, Ryan Stanek, but he still has so many guys like a Brian Abreu, Phil Mayton, Hector Neris, giving you a sub-2 ERA. These guys should be able to just go out there and dominate. Hunter Brown has given up just three home runs in 15 and two-thirds innings. He does give up a few walks, right around three walks per nine innings, but the strikeout numbers are there, right around 10 punch outs per nine innings. He's posted up a 345 road ERA. He should be able to just thoroughly dominate the Oakland A's in this spot. It's just about whether or not the Oakland A's can contribute a run or two to be able to help out with this total. I'm voting on no. I said my total at 8.3. I would rather have an 8.5 under rather than an 8 over just because with the Marine layer out, with this being a nighttime game in Oakland, and Houston has been a little bit suspect with their offense as well. I would rather bank on the pitching of Hunter Brown and company in this spot, so I'm going to be taking a look at the under, but with the Astros. Going to be willing to lay up to a minus 165 on this run line. 917-918 on the betting board. The LA Dodgers are on the road facing off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Jalen Beeks goes for the Rays, and Noah Thor Syndergaard is on the bump for the Dodgers. Currently, only DraftKings has a number up on this game. The Rays are a minus 115 favorite, minus 105 on the Dodgers with a total of 9. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105, and... With the Rays, I did set them at a minus 137. Now, if you do have trepidation with the Tampa Bay Rays, if you take a look at the bullpen over the last 30 days, it has really regressed. And it's due to the war of attrition that this team is facing right now. As a matter of fact, they are 28th in the league 
in terms of bullpen ERA over the last three days. The LA Dodgers in the time span, they are 18th, but this Dodgers bullpen has really not been good all season long. You take a look for the full season, and the Dodgers are 24th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA, and I do think that Jalen Beeks is going to be able to supply a little bit of length for the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't think that's going to be anything massive, but I think they can give you two, maybe three innings. They've utilized them as an opener in the past, and I mean we're going to be seeing that deployed once again. I think that Josh Fleming is going to be more of the bulk guy during the weekend, but I mean, it's a case where I do think that for the Tampa Bay Rays, they're going to be able to get more than enough to be able to hold down the fort in this case. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, you still have guys like Colin Poucher, Jason Adams, and company that will be able to give you sub-three ERAs throughout the season. It's been really the Kellys and Trevor and Kevin Kelly have been a little bit more suspect. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, even if they do give up quite a few runs, they have the chance to get a plenty of them off of Noah Thor Syndergaard. For the Tampa Bay Rays, they're in the top two in the big leagues in terms of batting average, runs, and home runs. Yandy Diaz has been going through a little bit of a personal issue the last few days, but you've now got four separate guys for the Tampa Bay Rays with 10-plus home runs. Three of them are supplying North Bay 300 batting average, with Diaz being one of them, Randy Rosarena, along Josh Lowe. They are the other two, and then you've got so many other guys that are sur- starting to surge. Jose Siri, eight home runs over the course of 88 at-bats as far this season. You've got Juan Franco. He's able to give you a 355 on base. Harold Ramirez is doing a good job of moving the line as well. And for the LA Dodgers, this team has not hit well on the road thus far this season. As for the LA Dodgers, they do a nice job of being able to draw a bunch of walks, what have you. But the team is hitting at 223 on the road thus far this season. So, I mean, for a Tampa Bay Rays bullpen and a core as a whole that has been dealing with some issues with regards to their pitching. This might be a little bit of a get-right spot for them. This is a bit of a pitcher-friendly ballpark. You do have Max Muncy and Mookie Betts, both with a double-figure amount of homers. And for Max Muncy, 204 batting average, 344 on base to go with his 15 home runs. Mookie Betts, 365 on base to go along with 11 home runs. But and you've got a lot of guys that they just haven't necessarily been able to do a great job of moving the line. They do a great job of being able to draw walks. J.D. Martinez on the road is hitting above a 300, but you've got a lot of guys that they just are having a tough time just being able to put together good at-bats when they are away from home. And for the L.A. Dodgers, and this is not a trustworthy bullpen either. Shelby Miller has honestly been one of their better relievers. Still got my question marks there. Yancey Almonte is north of a 5 ERA. Phil Bickford is north of a 5 ERA. Bruce Harder, Greiderall, Victor Gonzalez. These guys have been relatively solid, but I do think that Jalen Beek should be able to go out there and probably is going to give you more than Noah Thor Syndergaard, who just has not been good thus far this season. Now, to the credit of Mr. Syndergaard, we're going to take that one inning start that he had against the Milwaukee Brewers out of the fold. That's just a little bit of an outlier, but two or three runs allowed in each out of his last three. We're going to call them real starts, but for Thor Syndergaard on the road thus far this season, a 10-29 ERA, giving up 16 runs in 14 innings. That is far from terrific. An opponent's earning a 361 off of him. Swing and miss stuff. Just long gone from what he was with the New York Mets. He's getting fewer than seven strikeouts per nine innings. He's not really walking a lot of guys, but that said, willing to trust in the Tampa Bay Rays in the spot. Now, I did something told at 8.6. I do think that the Rays are going to start to see a little bit of regression at the plate, but for the LA Dodgers, I recognize the batting averages and everything, but you just need to do a better job of moving the line on the road, and I think that it's going to nip them in the butt sooner rather than later. So I did set the Rays minus 137, and them on the money line, made by total at 8.6, so I'm going to be taking a look at the under as well. 919, 920 on the betting board, the New York Yankees, you'll see Slam Diego Padres. Joe Musgrove goes for the Padres, and it is a debut of Randy Vasquez for the New York Yankees. Only DraftKings has a number up on this game with the Padres there. Minus 135 favorite, plus 115 is your number on the Yankees. And the total is 9. The over and the under are both at minus 110, and I did set 
this total at a 9.2. I'm going to be taking a look at the over where the Randy Vasquez is actually someone that I liked at the minor league level. I typically like to fade a bunch of these guys making their first career start at the big league level. I am not going to be doing that with Randy Vasquez. I recognize that the ERA is a 485. The 1-5 record looks a little bit unsightly, but he's been able to get 10.5 strikeouts for nine innings. He's someone that I just like his overall form, the stuff that he's able to throw with, just watching some of the highlight tapes for him in his last few starts. He's really been able to do a nice job as well. At the AAA level, he's given up three runs or fewer. Now, each out of his last five starts, he's really done a good job of being able to keep the walks down a little bit as well, giving up one or two walks in three out of his last four starts, which I was really ailing him. He was giving up nearly five walks per nine innings at the minor league level thus far this season. And he goes up against someone in Joe Musgrove who has been terrible this season. I mean, for Joe Musgrove, I mean, even if you throw out the Mexico City start from, he's got an ERA that's hovering right around five, and his home ballpark is Petco Park, so that is very far from terrific for our good friend and Mr. Musgrove. The fielding independent indicates that he's gotten a little bit unlucky, but and he's got a 675 ERA and a 582 fielding independent. He's given up 2.3 home runs per nine innings, and the biggest thing is the walks are up. 3.4 walks per nine innings. Typically, this guy is pretty pinpoint with his accuracy. He has made five starts. He has given up at least three runs in all but one of them. He's given up at least one home run in all but one of them. Certainly, the Mexico City start giving up three home runs to the Giants. That did not help, but I just don't have a lot of faith in him. And for the San Diego Padres, they were able to do a nice job of putting back to ball against the Washington Nationals, and they have now been able to break the four-run plateau in three of their last four games. They have still scored four runs or fewer, even with that, in 11 out of their last 14 games as they're dealing with the injury to Manny Machado. Juan Soto has really been able to pick it up. I was a little bit harsh on him during the beginning part of the season. He's now giving you a 423 on base. He's up to nine home runs. He's starting to live up to that contract a little bit more. So we've got to give a little bit of credit where credit is due. But we also have Jake Cronenworth, Trent Grisham, Matt Carpenter, the entirety of the catcher spot, coupled with Brandon Dixon. All inning at 215 or lower, lower other than Jake Cronenworth. Not really a lot of on base with many of them as well, though Jake Cronenworth right around 330 of base. Hudson Kim has been terrific in the field. When it comes to at the plate, he has not been as well now. For the San Diego Padres, best bullpen area in the big leagues over the last 30 days as Tom Cosgrove has been very good in this bullpen. Nick Martinez in his last 35 days, I think that he's got a 0.50 ERA. He has been tremendous. And then you've got Josh Hader who's able to top it off, but Overall for the season, guess who's got the top open ERA in the big leagues? At the very least, they did entering into Thursday. You guessed it, the New York Yankees. Now, Clay Holmes is a little bit of a roll of the dice for the New York Yankees. And Ron Menadaccio, he's been a little bit up and down as well. He's seen his ERA rise to about a 375. But you've got a bunch of guys that have come in there and hold down the fort. Someone like Nick Ramirez, Juani Peralta, Michael King. These guys giving you a sub-250 ERA has been tremendous for this team. Jimmy Cordero, I recognize they got a little bit shelled in the team's previous series, but by and large, he's been able to do the job for this bunch as well. And for the New York Yankees, this has been a completely different lineup ever since Aaron Judge got back. As for the New York Yankees, I believe that they entered into yesterday having scored at least four runs in something like 12 out of their last 15 games. Aaron Judge, since he has returned, he has provided north of a 
340 on base, 14 home runs in his first 143 at-bats of the season. Now, bottom of the fold for the New York Yankees, it does need to be a little bit better. The entirety of the catcher spot, Isaiah Canerfalefa, Willie Calhoun, Oswaldo Peraza, Oswaldo Cabrera, all these guys hitting below a 220. A DFA'd Aaron X, which honestly, that's a good thing for this team, but you know, at the bottom of the fold, it's not been great, but Anthony Rizzo hitting above a 300, being able to supply a double-digit amount of formers. Glaber Torres starting to find it as he is, and DJ turning up LeMayu. I've been okay for this team. LeMayu, he needs to pick it up a little bit, hitting just a 250, but you've got Torres up to nine home runs. I do like the way that the Yankees are approaching, just hitting in general, so I did set the New York Yankees as a minus 119 favorite. I don't understand why the Padres are the favorite. Joe Musgrove has not been good all season long, so I'm on trust in Randy Vasquez getting a plus price, set by total at 9.2, so here at the 9, also taking a look at the over to go along with the Yankees, 921-922 on the betting board. The Cleveland Guardians play OC St. Louis Cardinals. Matthew Libertor is going to be going for the Cards, and Shane Bieber is on the bump for Cleveland. Cleveland is a minus 115 to a minus 125 favorite, anywhere between plus 105 to plus 112 is your number on St. Louis with the total at 8 over and under anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. It's a little bit conflicting because with Shane Bieber, I think that he is doing to get hit, and he's doing to get hit very hard. This is not the same guy that won the 2020 Cy Young. We were talking about this with John Jansen. He's went from, in that Cy Young season, getting 14.2 strikeouts per nine innings to getting 6.6 strikeouts per nine innings this season. Now, with Shane Bieber, he is only giving up right around two walks per nine innings, so he's been great on that front. But at the same time, this is not the Shane Bieber that we've all come to know and love I just am not one to trust in Matthew Libertor either. He had a relatively solid start when he got called back up to the majors against the Milwaukee Brewers, and then they befuddlingly threw him for a long relief appearance. Take a look at Libertor at the minor league level. He was solid this year. 11 strikeouts at 3.3 walks per nine innings on SV along a ton of hard contact, but still have my trepidations with him. He's always had a tough time with command, and even in his small sample size here at the big league level thus far this season, command has been lacking as he's given up four walks in his first six innings of the season, so I do have issues there. And plus, you do have a Cleveland Guardians team that they continue to be one of the best bullpens in the big leagues when you've got Emmanuel Classe, Angel De Los Santos, Trevor Steven, all doing a great job in the bullpen. Eli Morgan as well. James Karinchek seems to be rounding into form. That is big. As the Cleveland Guardians, sixth in the league in terms of bullpen area, the St. Louis Cardinals, they're more on 12th as we've seen Ryan Elsley get back to his all-star form. Genesis Cabrera has been relatively okay. Giovanni Gallegos is giving you a sub-250 ERA as well. But for the St. Louis Cardinals, they just haven't hit the same on the road as they have at home. As for the St. Louis Cardinals, the team is supplying about 5.8 or so runs per game when they are at home. On the road, this is more like 4.3 runs per contest as they've done a very good job of being able to barrel up lefties all season long against righties. It's been a little bit more of a roll of the dice. Van Nolan, Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, now both at nine home runs apiece. Arenado really heating up over the last 15 days after a cataclysmically bad start to the season. Last 15 days, 345 batting average with six home runs. You're going to take that, and then you've been able to have Nolan Gorman be the main guy to go deep for the team. 13 home runs, 390 on base. He has been terrific. Lars Newbar about a 385 on base as well, but it's guys like Alec Burleson. When he's been out there, Dylan Carlson, as he's out with injury all season long. Juan Yepes that you need a little bit more from the young outfield. Has just not been able to come to the forefront. Meanwhile, for the Cleveland Guardians, they've been really relying upon their pitching because the offense, it has been sleepy to say the least. They're in the bottom three in the big leagues in terms of batting average, and they're dead last in home runs. You've got Josh Taylor has been able to supply seven home runs, but even though the Guardians were second lowest in terms of 
home runs last season. They were still able to make the playoffs, and that was because they were doing a good job of moving the line. You had Jose Ramirez, Stephen Kwan, Ahmed Rosario, Oscar Gonzalez, Will Brennan, all these guys hitting at least a 270. None of these guys are hitting even at a 270 thus far this season. Ramirez is hitting about a 265 with a 350 on base. Stephen Kwan about a 255, and then everyone else a 237 or lower. That has been absolutely killing this team. They don't necessarily draw a lot of walks as well. So it's a very interesting circumstance because I do think that Bieber is going to get lit up. I don't believe in Matthew Liebertor whatsoever. So I did something tell it an 8.6. I do think that the Guardians, they're going to wake up with the bats a little bit more. And I do trust in their bullpen a little bit late in this game. So I did set the Guardians at a minus 132. I'm going to be willing to ride with them on the money line. And I'm going to be taking a look at this little over 923, 924 on the betting board. The Washington Nationals at the red face off against the Kansas City Royals. Jordan Lyles goes for the Royals. Patrick Corbin is on the bump for Washington. Washington is between a plus 105 to a plus 110 underdog, and between minus 117 to minus 125. Your number on Kansas City, 9 is the total, over is minus 115 to minus 125. Under is any between minus 105 to plus 105, and I set the Washington Nationals as a road favorite with Patrick Corbin on the mound at a minus 106. I don't know if I'll ever forgive myself for doing this, but it has to be done. With Jordan Lyles, this guy just stinks. I mean, he's got a 7.15 ERA, and his fielding independent is relatively on par with that. He has given out four-plus runs in each out of his last nine starts. The team is 0-10 in his starts, and in nine of those starts, they have lost by multiple runs. I mean, it's just so bad with this Kansas City Royals team, as for Jordan Lyles, he gives up a whole bunch of hard contact, 2.2 home runs for nine innings surrendered. He's got about 6.8 strikeouts. For nine innings. And for Patrick Corbin, you can say what you will about this guy being a turkey tosser and everything like that. Three runs or fewer allowed in each out of his last seven starts. He only gets five and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He is giving up about 1.3 home runs per nine innings. But fielding independent and his ERA, both right around about a 4.45. He's been able to do just enough to hold down the fort now. With Washington Nationals, this bullpen is full of schlubs at this point. As Carl Edwards Jr. has been able to do a nice job all season long for the team. He's been able to supply you with an ERA that is sub three. But it has been a not so savory situation for many of these guys as You've been able to get some solid innings out of Hunter Harvey until yesterday as well, but Mason Thompson, Rasmo Ramirez, guys like this posting up north of a four-year has not been terrific, but well, you can't see Royals. They are right on par with this Washington Nationals bullpen, as both of these teams are currently in the bottom eight in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA with the Kansas City Royals. They're currently 26th in the league, as you've been able to get good innings out of Roldo Shaman and Scott Barlow over the last 35 days. He's been able to supply a sub-3 ERA. Josh Shaman has not been bad, but when you get into guys like Jose Kuas, the badly overrated Amir Garrett, that's not too terrific. And for the Kansas City Royals, Someone at the bottom of the fold needs to find a way to be able to get on base because you've got Vinny Pascantino giving you about a 350 on base, nine home runs. Salvador Perez hitting about a 280, a double figure amount of home runs as well. But I mean, all the rest of these guys just can't find a way to be able to get on base. Bobby Witt Jr., 365 on base. He's able to give you seven home runs, but he hasn't developed the way that we were hoping for. And then you've got Michael Massey along with Nicky Lopez, Jackie Bradley Jr., Nate Eaton in his limited amount of at bats. Whenever he's been out there, Kyle Isabel all hitting a 215 or lower. These guys have been absolutely terrible. Freddie Furman has been able to honestly give you a little bit of something at the catcher spot, but for the Washington Nationals, what they don't do is strike out. They are the number one team in the big leagues in terms of fewest strikeouts per game. No pop whatsoever when it comes to this team. Lane Thomas is right now leading the way with seven home runs. They are dead last in the National League in terms of home runs per game themselves. But you know what? With Thomas, who I mentioned before, Victor Robles, Corey Dickerson, Joey Manessis, they're all hitting at least a 290 for the team. Elio Vargas has been able to give you some nice at-pass. Jameer 
Candelario is hitting north of 250 as well. This has been a lineup that has done a really good job of just being able to find a way to get on base. All but three players that have seen at least 50 at-bats as far this season are hitting at least a 244 and supplying at least a 300 on base. I'm willing to trust in the Washington Nationals in the spot. I'm willing to trust in Patrick Corbin because Jordan Lyles completely sucks. Set by total on 9.6, so good to be taking a look at the over and taking a look at the Nationals on the money line. 925-926 on the betting board. The LA Angels play host to the Miami Marlins. Asus Cesardo goes for the Marlins, and Reed Detmers is on the bump for the Angels. Angels between minus 135 to minus 140 favorites. Anywhere between plus 118 and plus 126, your number on Miami. 8.5 is the total of the over and the under. Anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. And with the Angels, I did set them on the money line at a minus 146. With Asus Cesardo, he's been able to do a terrific job this far this season with the Miami Marlins as strikeouts per nine rate. Hovering right in around the pocket of 10. That's given up a little bit of our contact thus far this year. Right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings. Quite a bit of it has happened on the road as well. 5.91 ERA in the road, giving up five home runs at 21 and a third innings. And opponents had a 3.19 off of them on the road compared to a 2.33 at home. I do think that this makes quite a bit of sense because Miami is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. And with Lozardo, about 2.8, 2.9 walks per nine innings. You've got Reed Demers, who's had a little bit of a tough time being able to refine that command that he had towards back half of last season. As Detmers, he has seen a nice rise in terms of his swing and miss stuff. He is getting well above 10.5 strikeouts for 9 innings, but he is giving up a right around 3.8, 3.9 walks for 9 innings, so that's a little bit of a roll of the dice, but that said, with Detmers, he has been badly unlucky. 487 ERA compared to a 342 fielding independent. He's giving up less than a home run per nine innings. He does, once again, need to work on the command a little bit, but I like what I've seen out of Reed Detmers. He's got a 531 home ERA, and I do expect that to come downward, especially going up against the Miami Marlins team that entered into their series against the Colorado Rockies, dead last in the National League in terms of runs per game. You've got Ori Soler, who's been amazing. He's been able to give the team 15 home runs. He's the only active bat for the team with north of five home runs, though, as Jazz Chislam is currently dealing with a little bit of an ailment. Now, you do have guys who are able to move the line. Luis Rice has been in and out of the fold last few days, but he's been able to 371. This is not at all sustainable, but Xavier Edwards is hitting well above a 350 as well. Brian De La Cruz, Yoli Gurriel, both of these guys in that pocket about 290, but Asu Sanchez being on the fold. That's hurt this team. They really don't draw a lot of walks as well. Meanwhile, for the LA Angels, you've got Mike Trout, Shoei Otani, Hunter Renfro. All guys give you between 10 and 12 home runs as far this season with Trout and Otani, both hitting above 275, both above 350 with their on base. And then you've got Gio Rochelle hitting about a 300. Zach Neto, ever since he had like a rough first week of the season, he's been hitting north of a 275 as well. Matt Theus filling in for the injured Logan O'Hoppy at the catcher spot. About a 375 on base. And for the LA Angels, we are going to see this bullpen regress. But as of right now, their bullpen ERA is seventh in the big leagues, with Matt Moore being able to give you a sub two ERA. Really like what I've been seeing as well out of Carlos Aceves, who never really impressed me with the Colorado Rockies, but has looked very good this far this season. Reyes Moranto, I swear, weighs about 500 pounds, has been giving this team innings, and the Aaron Loop is a bit of a roll of the dice, but you know what? You've got something there. And for the Miami Marlins, this bullpen has not necessarily been too terrific as well. They do get JT Chargois back in the fold, but they had to use him yesterday in Colorado. They're currently 19th of the league in terms of bullpen ERA. Dylan Floro has been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Stephen Okert, a sub-3 ERA, but Uskar Brazoban, we've seen a little bit of regression there. So I do think that the LA Angels should be able to get the job done at home. I'm on the way up to a minus 145. In terms of their money line, if you're looking at the run line, 
getting that anywhere between plus 140 and plus 143. I need at least a plus 140. I see a little bit more of an edge on the money line, so just going to play it safe as I do think that this is a lower-scoring game. Semi-tail at 7.9. I think Lizardo gets a good start. I think Detmers is just better and sees positive progression. Looking at the under and looking at the Angels on the money line, 927-928 on the bank board. It is the Boston Red Sox, and they're playing O.C. here, so the Diamondbacks. Brandon Fott goes for the Diamondbacks, and Chris Sale's on the bump for Boston. Boston is a minus 150 favorite at DraftKings, plus 130 on Arizona, currently the only number I see available. Nine and a half is the total. Under is minus 120, and the over is even. And if you're looking at that run line, you're finding it at a plus 105 with the Red Sox right now. I'm going to wait and see what we get a little bit further down the line. As I was seeing an opener on this game a little bit before that was closer to a plus 140 on the Arizona Diamondbacks. So I'm very intrigued there. As with the Arizona Diamondbacks for Brandon Fott, well, he's been battling it as he has not necessarily been too terrific for this team. But I do think they're starting to find a little bit of something as for Fott gave up seven home runs in his first 20 innings at the big league level. That's just a little bit of bad luck. Minus two starts, 10 and a third innings against the Pirates and the Giants, so not necessarily the world's greatest competition, but gave up four runs in that time span. The walks were a little bit up and down. He doesn't necessarily get great swings and misses, but I do think that he's going to be able to do an okay job in this ordeal. Meanwhile, you've got Chris Sale on the flip side for the Boston Red Sox, who has really rounded into form. Three runs are fierce, rendered in each out of his last four starts. Eight plus strikeouts in each out of his last three as well. as so the strikeouts per nine rate thus far this season. It's hovering right in the neighborhood about 10.5 to 11. Now, he does have a 6 ERA on the road, but it really feels like he's starting to find it now with the Boston Red Sox. It's just hard to ever feel secure about this bullpen with Kenley Jansen being your main closer. That's not necessarily a place where you want to be. But they are without Brian Brazier and Richard Blyer as a DFA'd Brian Brazier. Blyer, I think, is just dealing with an injury, but the team is currently 13th of the league. In terms of bullpen area, Yoli Rodriguez is not necessarily giving me a lot of confidence along with Justin Garza. I honestly like what I've seen out of Josh Winkowski, but they're currently dealing with an injury as well to Mr. John Shriver. Meanwhile, with the Arizona Diamondbacks, I mean, with the way that my DK Nation right a pick went for them a few days ago, I'm not trusting in these schlubs in the bullpen either. As Miguel Castro, Andrew Chafin, they come in in the offseason. They have been honestly relatively okay compared to guys like Scott McGough, who is more like Mr. Magoo. Jose Ruiz has north of a 70 area. Kevin Ginkle is all over the place. Austin Adams is not very good. So there's that. But for the Arizona Diamondbacks, this team has done a very good job all season long of being able to move the line. They're third in the National League in terms of runs per game. And you've got a lot of guys that I think they're going to regress a little bit. But I mean, the longer this continues, the more you might think that might be a mainstay. As you've got Emmanuel Rivera, Geraldo Perdomo, Along Dominic Fletcher, Gabriel Moreno, all hitting above a 3 arm for the team. Lourdes Gurriel is as well, but I mean, we all know about Lourdes Gurriel. He's hitting for about a 375 on base. He's been able to supply eight home runs as far as the season, but for Arizona, they're in a 284 in terms of average at home thus far this season. Ketel Marte has been able to do a good job moving the line. You get all sorts of pop out of Christian Walker with 11 home runs as well. Meanwhile, for the Boston Red Sox, it is a lineup that I think has overachieved just a little bit this season, but you've got so many guys that do a great job of being able to get on base. Rafael Devers, honestly, he's not been one of them, but he's been able to give you 13 home runs. A lot of those have been two-plus run shots because you've got guys like Jaron Durer and Masataka Yoshida, Justin Turner, Alex Verdugo, giving you north of a 350 on base. You've been able to get some good pop as well. From Tristan Casas from time to time, needs to pick up that buck 80 batting average, but he has been able to give the team six home runs as far this season. Emmanuel Valdez has been able to about a 275, and Pablo Reyes has been good for the team as well, but that said, when it comes to Chris Sale, I set a minus 143 on the money line, so 
We shall wait and see what happens here. This number has been coming down further and further, but we'll only go there. Plus 144 or greater would be my buy point on Arizona. And I did set my total at an 8.8. .8. I really like the way that sale is performing, and I do think the thought is going to find it at the big league level. Side so the 9.5. We're going to add the under. We'll only go up to a minus 143 on that Red Sox. Funny line. We wrap things up with 9.29, 9.30 on the main board. It is the Pittsburgh Pirates on the road facing off against the Seattle Mariners. George Kirby goes for Seattle, and Mitch Keller is on the bump. For Pittsburgh, 7 is the total. The over is minus 115 to a minus 105. The under, it is the same. Minus 105 to minus 115. Seattle's between a minus 150 to a minus 165 favorite. Between plus 135 and plus 140. Your number on Pittsburgh and... I said the Mariners, minus 156 on the money line. We need at least a plus 130 on this run line. I'm currently seeing it anywhere between about a plus 130 to a plus 135. So I would rather take the plus 135-ish run line, but we shall see how this number moves as it appears as though money is coming on Pittsburgh a little bit. And with Mitch Keller, I love the way that he is performing. His strikeout numbers are way up. He's been able to get north of 10.5 strikeouts per nine innings. He has also done a great job of mitigating the walks. That's been under the radar as well. About 2 to 2.1 walks per nine innings. 273 road area with opponents taking a 2 or 2 off of him. Mitch Keller has been seller. And the bullpen has not been bad either. With Pittsburgh Pirates, they've got a... Guy and David Benar, who has been one of the better closers out there in the big leagues. And then you've got Jose Hernandez, who's supplying a sub-3-5 ERA. Been able to get good innings as well out of guys like a Yohan Ramirez, Robert Stevenson. So, and it's a Pirates team that, in terms of bullpen area, they're currently eighth in the big leagues. The Seattle Mariners are number three. And I do think that we're going to see a little bit of regression as we've seen Penn Murphy and Andres Munoz be out of the fold throughout much of the season. And they've been able to do it with guys like Trevor God, Taylor Saucedo, they're on there. Justin Topa being able to give you a sub-3 ERA game. Spire has been good as well. Juan 10 has been able to give you some good innings. I do think that we're going to see that dry up. But we're also noticing the Seattle Mariners beginning to be able to rip the cover off the ball a little bit more as well. And a lot of that is because they went up against the Oakland A's earlier this week. And if you're ever looking for a confidence booster, go up against the Oakland A's because it's just as effective as going up against a pitching machine. As for Jerry Kelnick, he has been incredible. He's been able to give the team a double-figure amount of homers, sitting about a 290. And you've also been able to have J.P. Crawford move the line, about a 368 on base. You do have a lot of guys that they still need to pick it up. Julio Rodriguez in that series against Oakland was able to do a solid job, but he's still hitting about a 225 a month. And Eugenio Suarez. And then you've got Colt Wong, A.J. Pollock, Taylor Trammell, Tommy Lucella, all in below the Mendoza line of a 200. But I really like this kid and Jose Calabreo. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. He's been able to hit about a 285. He's doing a great job. Be a move the line, get on base for this team. And when it comes to the Pittsburgh Pirates, four runs or fewer in 17 out of their last 20 games. They have went completely down the toilet bowl. Brian Reynolds is still getting on base. He's hitting about a 280. But right now, Andrew McCutcheon and Jack Swinitsky with their seven home runs. That's right now leading the charge for Swinitsky about a 340 on base, but he's only hitting about a 220. We've seen a lot of these lesser guys come in and just not do a great job. And I do think that the injury to O'Neill Cruz is taking a lot out of this team. Carlos Santana, Cabrian Hayes, we've seen them just completely go down the tubes recently as you just take a look at the last 30 days. And this has been one of the worst hitting teams in pretty much every facet of baseball. As a matter of fact, you just take a look at the month of May and their name is a collective. 214 this month with nine home runs in 20 games. Boy, oh boy, it has went just way downward for this team. So 
I do think that this is going to be a big issue for our Pirates team that I think that they're going to be able to do an okay job with their pitching, but I think that they're going to have a tough time matching up with George Kirby as well. George Kirby just has been captain command all season long. Only gets about seven half strikeouts per nine innings, but he's allowed three home runs of 58 in the third innings. He's given up five walks in 58 and a third innings. He's allowed one walk or fewer in every single start thus far this season. He has been just lights out with that regard. And for George Kirby, he's honestly been a little bit worse at home than he has been at, on the road. 234 road ERA, 304 ERA at home. And I do think that the Pirates, they aren't as bad as they've shown at the plate here in the month of May. They certainly were overachieving towards the beginning part of the season. So we're looking for that middle ground. I semi-tall at 7.3. I think that the 7 is a little bit too low. The Mariners, they've been rough with their lineup as well, but they seem to be coming up with a few more hits recently. So I'm going to be willing to take that run line of the Seattle Mariners, and I'm going to be taking a look at the 7 over. And that'll wrap things up for the Friday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. A big thanks to uh, John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have any questions, comments, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gnet underscore d1. Keep in mind, letters M. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means hope coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.